We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about the Michelangelo Antioni. Okay, so how do you say his name? Uh, sorry, my headphones fell off my head, and I was trying to <laughs> recover really quick. <laughs> um, Michelangelo Antonioni, is that who you're asking? Yeah, yeah. is that how you say his name? Yeah, Michelangelo Antonioni. Antonioni. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about the Michelangelo Antonioni film Blow Up, a mystery thriller released in 1966 about a photographer who discovers he may have unwittingly photographed a murder. Highly regarded in its own right, Blow Up made the 144th spot on Sight and Sound's Critics' Poll of the World's Greatest Films. It has also inspired directors such as Dario Argento, Brian De Palma, and Francis Ford Coppola to create their own rendition of the story. So, let's hop into a discussion on Blow Up, The Conversation, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and Blow Out. Or as I like to call them, Blow Up, Blow Down, Blow In, and Blow Out. (laughs) (laughs) Blows all around. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, and we were like, should we do blow with Johnny Depp as well there's just there's just a lot of blowing going on here mm-hmm. yeah blow with Johnny Depp blow dry with Josh Hartnett let's let's do all of them yeah yeah just add your own to the list folks google blow movie and see what comes up blow movie let's see well you get the you get the 2001 Johnny Depp but movies with the word blow let's see what comes up here there's gonna be a lot of uh not safe for work items there (laughs) the 400 blows Um, oh yeah blow the man down that just came out last year um list of 20 plus movies with blow in the title we're getting really off topic right off the bat um all right andy warhol's film blowjob okay Um, naturally naturally (laughs) come blow your horn (laughs) <laughs> blow me down <laughs> wait, wait did you say blow meat blow me down oh okay <laughs> i don't know blow which is meat. funnier <laughs> oh my god oh boy but anyway yeah today we're talking about blow up this is an old movie it is the, I believe, the first English language film that Michelangelo Antonioni did, um, and yes. it's it's regarded as a classic. I think John Carpenter said this was one of his favorite movies. Yeah, a lot of people love this one. It's, yeah. it's had a big influence in a ton of ways, not even just in movies, like even just in style and culture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you took a Italian film course a few years back. I'm curious what you learned from watching this movie, because you guys watched this movie, right? Yeah, we watched a bunch of Antonioni uh, stuff, including like his trilogy. Um, and this is kind of a lot like those, especially um, it reminded me a lot of L'Aventura. L'Aventura. You gotta do Italian... <laughs> Leventura. Huh. Um, you got to say it with your hands. 
Um, it reminded yeah, me. Ventura. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of that because that's another movie with like there is a mystery in the plot, but it's not actually about the mystery. You know, mm. like the, the movie just kind of doesn't concern itself with solving that at all. Um, that's the one where the kid goes missing and then the people are like, oh, the kid went missing. Okay, let's be sad for 20 through like two hours, you know? Um, it's it's about like these sad, like rich Italians who go on a boating trip and this one guy's girlfriend disappears. Oh, that's what it is. Girlfriend yeah. Is. And he ends up just like sleeping with her friend for the rest of the movie. Like they just drop trying to find her body after a certain point and they're just wow. like kind of bored rich people doing things and not considering i don't know it it's like it's his style is very existential in that sense like it's Mm -hmm. very much like what even is is this life what are we doing um and so you see a lot of that in in this too like this is a main character is a total jerk like he's an asshole oh yeah Um, and he's but he's super successful Mm -hmm. and it it kind of his he's so self-centered that he doesn't actually notice what's in his picture for what to like more than halfway through the movie. Right. Like he oh, thinks yeah. it's all about this girl just wanting to have her pictures taken or like wanting to be around him. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but yeah. And so um, it's got a lot of hallmarks of Antonioni's style that he brings into England of like um, those, those types of themes. But then on top of that, the dude loves architecture and he mm-hmm. loves like, um, settings and scenery so that's why there's so many shots of like london streets and their buildings um and also his apartment like there's so much so much interesting framing done with like the seat the weird ceiling beams and stuff like that yeah Um, yeah so all of those are like kind of antonioni's staples I, I, this one's probably super highly regarded just because it's his first english language one so it probably was able to get further yeah for sure yeah, and then like also too, like it seems to be at least it seems like it was critically successful as mm-hmm. well. Because I know some filmmakers, such as like Ingmar Bergman, they make their first English language movie, and sometimes it's a flop. You know, sometimes yeah, the pressure's just, on. The pressure's on. Sometimes it just does not translate well. I just recently saw Ingmar Bergman's film The Touch, which stars um Elliot Gould in you know, his first English language movie or at least partially English language movie. Mm -hmm. And it's, I liked it, but I can tell that I can tell why people didn't love it when it came out. It was not a critical or commercial darling by any means. So Mm -hmm. it's impressive when, you know, you see a movie like blow up where that was able to be totally successful. Um, Critically, it's still regarded today highly. And, it's inspired a bunch of other filmmakers. So yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing that's cool and kind of allows it to live on the way it does is how well it captures um pop culture in that place. Oh in, yeah. In England at the time. It's like so this was like peak style at the time. And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a youth culture that was depicted as well until this movie. So I'm sure that helped a lot because there were probably tons of, you know, young British people who are like, oh, I want to be like that, or oh, I'm just like that. Like, I, I'm wearing the same thing, and I listen to the same music and all that. So that yeah. probably had a huge effect on why it blew up so big. Oh, yeah. It, it blew Absolutely. up. Yeah. <laughs> I I enjoyed this movie. It's been a little bit of a while since um 
I've seen it. I saw this a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little bit slow for me, in all honesty, but it's something I would like to watch again because I kind of get the point of it now. When I finished watching it, I was like, oh, I get what the movie was supposed to do because the fucking description for the plot is a little bit misleading where it's like, yeah, oh, um, it's a guy who unwittingly discovers he's might have photographed a murder. It's like, okay, but like the plot doesn't kick in until like an hour and 25 minutes into the movie. And it's about an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, basically, I think the description of this movie should be a photographer who's an asshole, takes some photos, sleeps with women, and then eventually learns, oh, there was some crimes committed in one of my photos, and then does nothing about it. <laughs> that's kind of what this, this yeah, is. Yeah, 100%. And that is so... Um... It is so misleading that a lot of the way this movie is written about online and, and its little blurbs are like, yeah, it's about this murder, this mystery. It's a, it is not a movie about a mystery. It is a movie no. about a photographer. It it really is. The the mystery takes a backseat. And that's just classic Antonioni of like, yeah, like, let's let's just not dwell on the part that most movies would. <laughs> let's just study this person and why they're this way or if there even is an answer <laughs> yeah and it's in it's interesting that it did that because i don't know you see you see a movie like the godfather but like just imagine the godfather was like hey let's just not dwell on anything with like the criminal activities in the family let's just like watch them eat dinner it's about a hours. wedding. It's about a wedding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just not dwell on anything. The way you describe it too is really funny to me where you're like, yeah, let's just not dwell on anything. Let's not yeah. worry about it, about it, you know. So like the plot in, you know, No Country for Old Men, let's not worry about Anton Chigurh. Let's just let's just worry about like the bus that Elwin gets on at one point in the movie and let's just like follow him on that. Like who's on the bus? Like Yeah. And that in and of itself know speaks to maybe the message of a lot of um Antonioni's work of this time of like examining these rich people and why they're not looking at the real problems around them or just just acknowledging that they're not yeah um it's always kind of yeah i would keep that in mind if you watch any of his other movies they're great but know that this is pretty much like this is how how they go um mm-hmm. in a lot of ways get ready to just look at some beautiful scenery and and rich people being mopey yeah well it's they're beautiful looking i'll it'll give them that for sure but yeah no it's it's definitely like would you would you even consider this a thriller really? no yeah no it's it's an existential movie i would say it's ex- existential crisis it is. <laughs> That's the genre. That's yeah. the genre. Existential crisis. Yeah, it is very misleading because it's it's called a mystery thriller online. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. It's a 19, 1966 mystery thriller film. And it's like, mm, the mystery yeah. and the thriller takes a back seat. It's honestly, it's 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 a sex comedy before it's either of those things. Cause yeah, much, no. How much he's just like having sex in this movie. It's like, all right, cool. Just... Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's, yeah, it, it's not, it's not so much a, a thriller as it is like about just, just listlessness, right? Like he's not satisfied with his life. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to more exactly. than, than the murder. But that is kind of like the, 
the headline grabber, I guess, for the movie. You can't be like, bored photographer <laughs> is sad and wants more from life. Yeah. What does he want? <clears throat> Nobody knows. Exactly. So let's let's talk about this movie a little bit broader. What do we, what do we like about this movie in general, and what do we not like? Mm, I mean, the the architecture and the setting is amazing. This isn't my favorite um, Antonioni movie, personally, um, but it is it is a re- I love when a movie captures a time and place really well. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to do something like that one day where it's just like this super specific era and place and what it was like is so yeah. cool. Um, so that's kind of more of the credit that I would give it. I I don't have, have a problem with like the, the, the lack of plot. I actually, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I just wasn't fully, I've never fully got to obsessed with this i think i think the the biggest strength of this movie too is kind of putting together the art of photography and um motion picture Mm -hmm. and when he's looking at those images and finally realizing that it's kind of like it sort of reveals that the tools we use for art kind of they they will capture things without us even realizing it and i think that's really interesting and i like that Um, yeah, yeah. Dislikes it is, it is really slow and the character's a total prick and like obnoxious to look at. (laughs) It's a very punchable face. (laughs) Yeah. Like he thinks he's so cool. And obviously I get that. That's the point, but it's not in a way that like I, I want to follow this character. Yeah. Um, exactly. I also just personally i'm not as into looking at like the scenery of of england compared Mm -hmm. to like when he shoots the scenery in italy i feel like when he's doing that there's so much like i mean just this this like this love and knowing how to look at it beautifully because that's obviously where he's from and so you get this this huge sense of like scale and lives that go in and out of these places where yeah, his version of of England, I I didn't get as much of that. Yeah, I didn't feel as as I didn't feel the magic as as much. It's still like an amazing movie and all that for yeah. sure. Not Absolutely. my personal favorite Antonioni though. Well, okay. Before we get into like um, what I liked and didn't like, what mm-hmm. is your favorite Antonioni movie and why? And how is it different from this movie? Definitely La Ventura. I said it with my hands, Italians who are listening. Loving, loving Tura. Yeah, that one. I don't know why I say it like an Italian woman, like an old Italian woman. <laughs> but like, who cares? Who cares? Hey, you it's know It's my what? podcast. I'll do whatever yeah. the fuck I want. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I like that one a lot. It it kind of is just more a more interesting version of this kind of mystery yeah. mystery in in heavy heavy quotations and. The the people around it who are just drifting through life because they really don't have worries, but that's kind of its own problem in and of itself. Like, why are they so disconnected from these terrible things happening? Yeah. Um, and I just think it if the I get more out of the meditation on that in Aventura than I do <laughs> in in Blow Up personally, and I think maybe it's because the characters are less overtly dicks they're still dicks like they're they're 
their you know their friend died and they immediately start hooking up um yeah and it's like not cool but it just feels more easier to empathize with them and that might come even down to the performances too or something oh and, and it's in black and white and i i really like i i love the look of it there's oh, just so yeah. much more play with shadows on the architecture because of it yeah um where i know in in blow up um antonioni like had buildings painted and stuff and like made a very vibrant looking cool movie yeah um but i think i prefer the the sort of shadow play that he was doing in in la ventura yeah it sounds so good uh, la ventura sorry la ventura sounds sounds so good um and i and i really need to check it out i'm very excited to whenever i get to do that but yeah no i definitely i love the way that blow up looks i think it looks beautiful mm-hmm. and it's amazing to look at but you know for sure there's definitely there's something about black and white movies that's sometimes a little bit nicer to look at than like bright and vibrant movies and i don't know maybe it reflects the mood better for Leventura, yeah. but i like the vibrant look of of blow up because I feel like it it reflects the idea of this guy's a photographer. It's very superficial and everything high fashion, high fashion, very vibrant. And then you know he's really on the inside. He's a he's a piece of shit. He's a flaming turd who's not going to help anybody but himself. So yeah, not even on the inside, like outside too. Yeah, <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, no, for sure. Um. But yeah, no, I I definitely like that um, part of it, and I I like the performances. I like David Hemmings as the lead. Um, the whole I think I brought this up to you the whole time I was watching it. I was like, if they straight up remade this today, I feel like they would cast Timothy Chalamet. Like I really do, because he kind of he looks slightly like him, and in, in for whatever reason, just like in the yeah, way he's kind of pointy. Kind of pointy, <laughs> but yeah, no, he he reminds me of Timothy Chalamet for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's be, uh, I, no offense to Timothy Chalamet fans, but this guy walks around like he's all that, and sometimes Timothy Chalamet can do that. So, but you know, I, I love Timothy Chalamet. I also think too, Timothy Chalamet would have. Timothy Chalamet would have made this role a little bit more likable, in my opinion. So I, I kind of like that he's so unlikable because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this. And I also like that. I think I would have liked this movie a lot more if I had just watched it and not looked up what it was about. Because then I would have watched it and been like, hmm, what's this about? And then I would have probably been more into it trying to figure out what it's about and then realizing it's about a murder. I would have been more shocked and then seeing, oh, he's not going to do anything about it, it would have probably worked better for me than that. I think this is a movie that's better if you don't know what it's about going into it because, I don't know, man. It's like going into any movie just knowing the plot, but like the plot doesn't come in until like an hour and a half into the movie. So the whole time you're like, but when is it getting to yeah. that? You know, it's when like are we, we know getting the, there? We know the plot turn. Like the last plot turn. Yeah. And it, it, anticipating it can kind of take away from all the builds to it. Um, I do think on a rewatch, because I, I went into it not really knowing that much, because it was like mm-hmm. for a lecture they just yeah. put it on. And I was like falling asleep because I was so bored. Uh, yeah. And rewatching it, I liked it a lot more because I did know where it was going. And yeah. there's one moment he has that like made me laugh. Um, where he's like showing the pictures to to his guy 
and he's like, "This it's a really uh, it's a really peaceful moment for the end of my book, which has so much violence in it." And it's like he has no idea. Like he's so absorbed in like him yeah. having thinking he created this peaceful moment when really he's so detached. It's not peaceful at all. Like I, I just thought yeah. that was like really darkly funny. Oh yeah, kn- knowing that there was a murder in in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I, I I really wish I got to see this a, a second time. I was going to try and watch it for today, but I unfortunately didn't get to. I saw it a few months ago, so I'm not like I remember it well enough, but yeah, no, it's it's a weird movie. Um I guess I think I would like it more a second time around because I would know where it's going. And I think that's me with a lot of movies, knowing if a movie is slow-paced, I just I'd like it more because you know, I was born in this century. I was born in a time of Michael Bay and, you know, got a quick cuts and all this stuff. So I'm used to movies moving really, you know, briskly and fast paced. So there's a little bit of a bias there when I watch older movies. But mm-hmm. I do like a slow burn, but I, I just want to feel like something is happening. And I feel like this is kind of the antithesis of that because it's like it feels like nothing's happening. Like yeah. it really feels like nothing's happening. And that's kind of the point. And then at the very end, it's very unsatisfying. And again, that's the point. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm supposed to feel like, Oh, well that all wrapped up really well. No. And then I skip on home. Like, no, it's, um, this is an unsatisfying movie about yeah. somebody who feels unfulfilled and probably, probably hates themselves. I mean, he probably doesn't, isn't too happy with himself. He reminded me of a bit of like a Patrick Bates kind of. Is it Patrick Bates or Patrick Bateman from American Psycho? Uh, Bateman? I think it's Bateman. Bateman, yeah. He reminded me a little bit of that in terms of like self hatred of what I could, what I remember from him. So. Oh, totally. There's there's yeah. many moments in the movie where like he's he's just projecting his anger at these poor models. But oh, yeah. then he has other moments where he's like, I, d- I just don't want to do this. I want to have nothing to do, basically, yeah. which is like kind of a sad thing of like, you've, you've reached this pinnacle of success and you want nothing now. Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of what we get out of the ending, too. It's like, you're not going to get a satisfying ending. This mystery is just going to peter out and he's going to stand in a field and then the field's going to be empty, just like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you, so what do you take away from the very ending of this movie? Because I'm very curious. It ends in a really interesting way where I really like the scene where a bunch of mimes go on to a field and start playing tennis. And then Mm -hmm. he throws an imaginary to what he thinks is an imaginary tennis ball back onto the the field. And then you actually hear real noises of people playing tennis. What do you, what do you think that means? I think to to me, I took it this time around as like, uh, he thinks that, everything that he's capturing in his art is his intention. Um, Mm -hmm. Completely, he ignores the context of everything. He Mm. acts like he's completely separate from the world and the people he's photographing. Yeah. So he's really not living, he's not living in the the world and the art around him as much as he could be. Whereas these mimes, I think, are. They are living in their, they are living art. Like they're, they're fully aware of the context that they're in. They're in a tennis court. They know, what what is going on around them and they're creating around that and part of that yeah. whereas this guy has no idea what the fuck his context is and where he's at and he's just going to point his camera and decide what it is but that's not how it works it's like a dual communication between mm-hmm. the artist and the world and yeah. so maybe this was a moment of that for him 
but I don't think it was a satisfying one. I don't think he gets fully yet that mm. that idea, and that's why yeah. he, he kind of like disappears. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's how I took it. I think it's completely ambiguous, though. There's I I I. It's one of those movies where I don't think there's a right answer. Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. I don't think with any art there is a right answer, and or at least I don't think that there should be. I think it's kind of stupid when artists are like, "Oh, it means this," and if you don't get it, then you're wrong. It's like. No, you can. I can interpret this however the hell I want. I interpret yeah. Fight Club as being that chocolate is the best ice cream, personally. But hey, if you uh, can back it up, I'll take it. I can back it up, actually. Um, <laughs> no I'm kidding. Could you imagine though? That's my thesis. That's my yeah. di- dissertation at uh, at university. Why chocolate ice cream is the best? Looking at Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club. Um, yeah. <laughs> the prof's reading it like, huh? And then as I'm they in, finish though. the paper, they're like, that's, that's really compelling. Really compelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good kind of understanding and way to look at the ending of this movie because it's very true. It's, it's somebody who really thinks that they understand everything, but what doesn't. And I don't know. I this, The thing that I got from the final scene is when he's watching them, I feel like there was a sense of like a, man, look at these fucking idiots. Like, mm-hmm. like a tennis. And then he throws them the tennis ball and then you hear it on the court of like an actual tennis ball. And then you see him kind of realize like, wow, they have it figured out and I don't. And then it just leaves him. The last shot just leaves him alone in a field. So... That's what I liked. That's what mm-hmm. I liked. And I, I, I definitely think that you're you're on to something with your point of he thinks he understands everything, but he really doesn't know jack shit. So Yeah. yeah. He thinks he decides the meaning of the things that he like yeah. interacts with in the world where it's like, nah man, you're not the king here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like exactly. These, it's both ways. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I I really enjoyed this movie. Uh what would you give this out of ten stars? A 10. This is great. This is one of the all-time greats. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, if you're catching me for the first time on this podcast, folks, I'm very lenient with my with my grades. I'm bad grading. Um, if I was a professor, it'd be like, I have a good day. Everyone gets a 10. I have a bad day. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> fails. Yeah. So don't, don't take take my numbers with a grain of salt. Matt Matt's the good number guy. I, but I, I, I say a 10. I... It's perfect. I just love the idea of, oh, well, every movie is a miracle, so every movie gets a 10. Yeah. <laughs> which is true. Which is On very, most very days, true. I do feel that way. Yeah. I think most of the time, I'm like, thank God. Thank God a movie was made. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think any movie is, like, perfect. Objectively speaking, yeah, it's probably a 10. Um, for me, I don't know. I would say like a seven and a half, but I really need to see it again because I want to. I like thinking about it more than I liked watching it. More than I liked watching it, mm-hmm. but I'd like to watch it again because I think I would enjoy it more. I've also, oh, I've also only seen it once, so it's not really. I don't really think it's fair because I also was watching it and didn't really get it until the very end of the movie. So I think it's a movie you need to see more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that goes for a lot of Antonioni stuff. I, I definitely remember, like, fighting to stay awake for the first time watching all of his movies that I've watched. I haven't seen everything, but oh, really? Wow. Yeah, the first time watching them, 
uh, I, I was often kind of fighting myself to pay attention. Um, but there's a couple that I do go back to now because I'm like, this is really beautiful. And I, I really like the way you put it. I like thinking about this movie um, a More lot. than watching it, yeah. I think, I think, though, as I think about it, I enjoy watching it more. So it's like they they feed into each other really well, and it is it is a thinker, and it, it's a good thinker. Yeah, like I said, I, I would probably like it more if I saw it again because I've only seen it once, so it's kind of mm-hmm. I haven't really given it totally a fair shot, but um, yeah, I really like this one. Um, think think of him as like a '60s Italian Noah Baumbach kind of who like <laughs> tells stories, of, but really though tells stories about very dissatisfied rich people, and yeah. it's it's maybe not as um. Not as fast paced or or um, play play like. I feel like Bombback stuff can be kind of like a play sometimes, where the dialogue's snappy and and punchy. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that, but it's the themes are kind of similar. Of like, these people are well off, but they're deeply unhappy. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say maybe Noah Bombach. Like, I get what you mean with the comparison there, but like, he also makes like a lot of comedies and whatnot. It's true about like upper class Jewish families and whatnot. So it's kind of. But I get, but I totally get what you mean about yeah. dissatisfied people who are just super unhappy and don't really like it. This is like the artsy, artsy version of uh, the artsy, fartsy version of Noah Baumbach. Exactly, and it's not a comedy. It's not fun. <laughs> There's some dark just little pain. humor. Just pain. <laughs> yeah, mostly pain. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Mer- Honestly, we should do one on Noah Baumbach sometimes because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Next movie, um, this is the first one, I believe, yeah, if we're talking chronologically speaking, this is the first one that really took some inspiration from Blow Up. There were probably other ones, too, because I feel like this is a this is an idea that has been done, like, before. Like, somebody catches something, and then it's like, oh, my God, there's, a, there's some crime being committed on this thing, and I didn't realize it. It's just been done in a totally different way. Um, yeah, and I can see why, though, too, specifically Blow Up would um, fuel a lot of different interesting mm-hmm. takes on the same general beats. But yeah. it, there's there, there's so many different ways to take this story because it's oh, just yeah. so vague. You know, absolutely. So this one, this one out of the three that we're talking about, I think this one's the most different. Um, this one is Dario Argento's "The Bird with the Crystal Plumage," um, or as I like to call it, "The Bird with the the Crystal Plumbing Issues." Um, <laughs> it's what it fucking looks like. It's just like the crystal plumage. I also don't know exactly where that title comes from. I think I missed it. I'm gonna be honest. Um, these Gaio mysteries, is that's what it, is that how you pronounce it? Gaio? Jalo. Jalo. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're... Not for you? I wouldn't say that they're not for me, because I've only seen two, but the ones that I've seen so far are not really doing it for me. Um, okay. Because I find, too, I find it's all... It, I find another thing is, too, the acting is really not great, and oh, also... Yeah. It becomes distracting. And then some of the characters do stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't, like, it's not like Blow Up where it's like, oh, like, I get this character is so self-involved that he doesn't even care when he sees, like, a dead body in a park. This is like, the guy is watching a woman who's been stabbed, like, slowly kind of lose blood. And he's like, oh, my God, like, is she okay? And then she passes out, and he immediately kind of loses interest in it and, like, puts his hands in his pocket and just kind of waits for police to show up. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense why he 
does that. And he's not playing a self-involved character. He's not like David Hemmings in Blow Up. Like, he's supposed to be a good guy who's trying to solve the the murder or the, or the the stabbing the girl doesn't actually die which like I don't I don't know how he how he knew she didn't wasn't going to die cuz there was no way for her to tell she I thought she was dead when she passed out at first and he went mm, all right well nothing I can do now um <laughs> and then yeah so it doesn't really make any sense but yeah this movie feels very different it's not really nothing really gets captured on video he more sees something happen mm. and then the police are like can you just keep trying to remember everything about the incident and he's like guys i've told you like i don't remember what happened i was i was far away i don't really see what happened but there's something that's bugging him about it and at the end the the big twist at the end turns out that this woman who was stabbed it was actually um the one who was attacking the person that stabbed her she was actually trying to stab him and throughout the movie this person has in like this black leather coat and whatnot has been going around trying to or going around killing other women and you realize oh it's really just been her the whole time um so it's that kind of twist which is which is interesting but yeah no this movie i liked it overall but it didn't really do it for me um all that much but argento is very hit or miss he's done some wacky ass shit um this seems more in, in that lane yeah, it's also at a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, so maybe I'm just in the odd. I, I Also, again, I didn't dislike the movie. I just, um, it's not something that I'm, like, crazy about. I know you're a pretty big Argento fan. So. Yeah, from from what I've seen, I do like his stuff, but I also totally get it's more of, it's, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's very style over substance in a lot of ways, and so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's uh, a lot of it doesn't hold up to scrutiny very well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then it's also just weird. I don't know. The, the dubbing is, is one thing that's distracting. Also, just some people say stupid shit in this movie that doesn't make any sense. Like this, for example, the main character, he gets, um, like, like the, the villain puts, like, knocks over, like, this giant, like, wall and it falls on him. And then she goes over and, like, starts, like, taking a knife and, like, kind of hitting it next to his head. And he keeps looking at her and saying help 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 and i I was very confusing because i'm like do you really think she's gonna help you she just put the fucking wall on you and is about to stab you do you really think she's gonna go what am i doing you know what i'm acting like a jerk let me just lift this wall off of you and you can just be on your way sorry my bad my bad it's (laughs) you know all these things you're describing make me want to watch it more which yeah just it it speaks to uh you know different different strokes for different folks that sounds like a great jollo to me (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny because i feel like if i watched it and just laughed at it a little bit more i'd be like oh okay but Everything else in this movie, I mean, there's the, the main character is a lot more likable. I mean, he's actually very likable. Um, but yeah, no, um, it's it's okay. It's an all right movie. You you'd probably dig it though. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. this was his first horror movie though, too, or, or one of his first horror movies. Yeah, it's early. I have, that's why I haven't seen it. Yeah, you gotta see it. You you you'll like it. Okay. Like it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the conversation. Yeah, I, I this one's fresh on my mind. I just watched it right before we recorded. Yeah, I actually mentioned this one in our first movie roundup. Um, it was actually the first Francis Ford Coppola movie I've seen all the way through, I believe. So wow, yeah, the first. Um, might be my favorite. Might be one of my favorites. 
Okay, so start us off. Conversation stars Gene Hackman, John Cazal. It's also got Harrison Ford in there, and it's about a... What exactly does he do again? It's been a little bit. He, he is, He's a spy. He's, he's a, a private spy. detective. Yeah, a private detective who is recording conversations, and he ends up hearing on a conversation that these two people, um, and I believe it's a man and a woman who are sleeping together, and the woman has a relationship with a director of some sort. Correct me if I'm wrong with any of this. Yeah, it's uh, basically like like corporate politics. Like corporate a, politics. Yeah. An employee, uh, two employees sleeping together. From what he can tell at the start of the movie, and yeah. that they're scared for their lives. Yeah. So Jim and Pam, they're worried that they're going to get killed by Michael Scott, <laughs> and um, he he basically becomes worried for their safety and is trying to prevent it, and. There's always a twist in these movies where you find out, like, it's very similar to the Crystal Plumage where you find out at the end they are actually going to kill the director. Yeah. Uh, Not well, the other even, way around. Even back to Blow Up, right? You find out it was an inside job. Like, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, yeah. And, like, the, the, that's the reason why she was trying to cover it up is because... Mm-hmm. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So you find out some some salacious things. I don't. I don't know how much you want to give it away. This one. Well, because we I kinda, do feel like we kind of gave everything away. Like yeah, that's true. Ones. So I, I don't. So, I, don't I think so we, Pam was basically mu- married to Michael and was planning to have him killed with her. Yeah. With Jim. <laughs> These aren't the actual names, by the way. Just in case anyone is confused. But <laughs> but yes, no. That's 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 right. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, good. No. Even if you know the plot, though, it's great. It's a great watch. Oh yeah, no, for sure. It's it's fantastic. I, I I'm I'm also not worried too much about spoiling it because we've kind of we've kind of spoiled all of these movies whenever we've talked about them. It's true. Yeah, watch them anyways. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So tell me how you found this movie to be. It's cool. I think it it's it relates to um blow up in that. Yes, it's about like corporate politics mystery, but more than that, it is about Gene Hackman's character, uh, Harry Call, I think his name is. Yep. Henry Call, Harry Call. Harry um, Call, yep. Yeah, and it's more about him and sort of the guilt he feels for what he does and the paranoia that it's left him with because he listens in on people all the time, so he he's concerned for his own privacy and security. Um and so, yeah, this guy would have not a fun time in today's world where we all walk around with a microphone in our pockets. Um, but uh, so I think that the, the fact that the character study is what's most compelling about this more so than the mystery and the, that the the character study is given so much room to breathe and to really make you wonder what is this guy's deal. Mm-hmm. And it's never fully clear what it is. But you can connect the dots yourself, right? At no point does he say, well, I'm worried for my safety or something. It's like, well, no, he has 10 locks on his door and he uh, he gets mad when anybody listens in on him and he doesn't want to answer questions about himself. And so you get like, okay, he's paranoid because he, he does these things. He's the one who probes people. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a great reading because, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely – it's very true. Like, And I think anybody who – is keeping tabs on people that much and is that good at it is like, oh, God. How could you like, not be worried? Yeah, like, it's ridiculous to not be worried about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no. Um, You said you seem to not love this movie. 
as much as I, I thought you would. I I like it a lot. Um, I think maybe out of this lot, it's it's at the bottom. But these are also like the bottom of all tens. And I didn't see crystal plumage either. So that so basically the three. Yeah. Um, from blow up, blow out, and the conversation, this would be third for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that still is like you know a ninety eight out of a hundred. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very good movie, and a lot of people that I've talked to, I remember I had a, a TA for a film course I took. He said um, in the 70s, Francis Ford Coppola made The Conversation, The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, and Apocalypse Now. The Conversation is the best of all four. And I remember he said that, and I haven't seen Godfather Part Two, but so far I'd probably say The Conversation is... Okay, well, that's way too hard to fucking decide just on the spot how I feel. But I, I, I almost, I almost weighed in too when you paused, and I was like, shit, I, I don't actually know. Like, I think it might be, it might be because it might be. I do, I really did like the Godfather, but the 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 last hour was starting to kind of drag for me a little bit. Um, I just think the conversation really too is feels so much more unique. Yeah. Right. Like I've seen mob stories. Um, yeah, I I've think- never seen this story. Yeah, well, I well, I guess you saw blow up. <laughs> not not in this not in this way though. You know. Yeah. Well, no, like that's the thing. I, I think that might be the reason this one kind of gets less um, recognition is because it is like very inspired by blow up. So that's one thing that I I think might be the reason why this doesn't get as much credit as The Godfather does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's very true. Like you haven't seen it in this way. And yeah, like blow up is about photography. This is about sound. So of course it's, it's very different, but yeah. yeah and in, in blow up, it's an accident too, where in the conversation it's on purpose, right? He's digging for secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's like an interesting difference as well. That really sets it apart, really makes it feel different and, and adds a layer to his guilt, right? He did it to himself. Yeah. Like, this is his job. Absolutely. How do you feel about the ending, too? Because he finds out, like... I find the ending so weird in this movie, too, because the entire time he feels really bad about um, these people are going to get killed. And mm-hmm. then at the very end, it turns out, like, the guy he thought was going to kill them is the one who got killed. So, like, the people he's been worried about for their safety the whole time, they're fine. They're totally They're not fine. the victims. They're, <laughs> they're not, not the, the victims, victims of this crime. No, but they're the they're the but he instead he wasn't worried about the right person. He was worried about the wrong person. Which mm-hmm. is which is very interesting to me because it's like, oh god, this fucking poor guy was trying to prevent a murder only to realize he got the wrong people. He, he in fact he was protecting the the killers. Yeah. Which I find Yeah, he was really making it harder for the killers to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, oh god. And then I didn't expect that. I love the ending too of him just ripping his apartment apart and then playing the saxophone. I mean, what a way to end a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. I love I love that too about his character that like the sound guy of course is a music guy. Like yeah. he, his art his art is is the saxophone and I think that's I just like those little kind of character moments they give him with the saxophone oh, yeah. a lot. Um, Absolutely. It feels like the only time he's not covering up is playing yeah. music by himself. Yeah. Exactly. I think that I, was really beautiful. It. Yeah. This I think this is my second favorite of the bunch. Um mm-hmm. 
with blow up being number three, plumage being number four, plumbing issues being number four, obviously, always the worst. Blow up number three, conversation number two, and then blowout at number one. We'll get to that in one second, though. I just want to touch yeah. on the fact Gene Hackman, though, incredible. Yeah. This and is my favorite Gene Hackman performance. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like other Gene Hackman movies that I've seen that I've loved. And like, yeah, Superman, the movie is great. And so is. Didn't he play a spy in like a Will Smith movie, too? Enemy of the State, probably. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, Downhill Racer. That's another one I talked about in uh, on the, what do you call it, movie roundup. And yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. And then there's also French Connection, what I, which I have not seen. I've heard uh, Scarecrow is really good with him and uh, Pacino. Uh, no one's seen it, though. So a uh, little deep cut. How could he top this though? How how could how could even anyone top this, let alone Hackman? Like it's Hackman at at his peak. Yeah, it feels like he's given so much, but also like for a character who's hiding everything about himself. You know, it's just such a layered layered performance. Yeah, it's really really good. So I don't know how he's uh, if he has topped it. I mean, he won Oscars for The French Connection and Unforgiven. Have you seen either of those? Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. But this is definitely top three easily. And um, did he get any? Yeah, he only got a Golden Globe nomination for this one. Ah, which is Hollywood. Weird. Full of hacks. Full of hacks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, communists. Oh. <laughs> no, I like them. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this is this is a great movie. Um, now I want to watch it up again. I just want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. Oh my god! But yeah, it's this is only second in terms of the best, and I believe this is your favorite that we're about to talk about next. Yeah, it's a conflicted favorite. It's very much tied with with Blow Up. Okay, so let's. Talk it would about- be my favorite if it wasn't for a couple of things that are kind of hard to get over. Okay, so let's talk about Blow Out, and let's start off with that. Let's start off with why. Isn't this your favorite freely? Okay, so this movie is just about flawless. Like, not just flawless, excellent. There's not... Every every shot is, is excellent. Every choice is excellent. Uh, performances are excellent. Uh, I just was so, like, jaw-droppingly disappointed with... In the last act, um, Sally just becomes this complete bumbling idiot. For, like, no reason other than to get her to the Liberty Bell thing. Like, she's so unaware that she is being tailed in a very creepy way by a creepy man who wants to murder her. Even to the point where when he takes the evidence from her hands and throws it over the bridge, she goes, hey, why'd you do that? Like, she's just this, why did she turn into this complete, uh, just dumb ditz? And it felt like such a betrayal of a character who was written so interestingly at first, like who maybe had um, a a ditzy quality, but had her own intelligence and street smarts throughout the whole movie until then. Uh, And then this, it's like just a, 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 yeah, I felt wrong. And, And then also putting her scream into the edit of his movie felt, really wrong for that too because yeah. it's like she just became this this insignificant plot item it felt like 
it was just so disappointing there. Like, yeah. But but I also just love the look of this movie. Like I would I would have every image from this movie framed on my wall, and I love the mystery and the story, and I love Travolta and everything up until that last bit was just like I literally my jaw dropped. I was like, how could they do this? Yeah. Hmm. I I find that interesting because I saw this years ago, and. Yeah, I found the ending pissed me off. Um, right? Well, for a different reason. Because mm. I felt unsatisfied. And because it, because it had such a sad ending about her getting killed. Mm-hmm. And that being like the end of it. And that was like, ugh. How does that... Like... I, I, I And I just... Yeah, it felt wrong, too, of the screen being put into the movie. Um... Which is just, it's still weird to me, but I also feel it like... seems like such a violation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and it's wild, because Travolta seemed like a genuinely good, likable guy, too. And I get that this would traumatize him and stuff, but like... Ugh. Really? Yeah, I... Like, I don't know, because I kind of like the ending, actually. Okay. Is what I'm trying to kind of get to. Um, I, I, I don't know why exactly, because you bring up some really good points... I don't know. I didn't find Sally to be like super, super duper duper intelligence. I definitely agree with you. She she had some intelligence of her own, and but was kind of a ditzy person. I didn't necessarily find like when John Travolta or not John Travolta, John Lithgow throws the evidence over the water. I didn't find that stupid that she went. Would you do that for? Because. I think she was probably in shock and was probably like so confused of like what are you doing? And then immediately afterwards was, you know, grabbed by John Lithgow, who immediately tried to murder her. So that I can't really, I can't really falter for that. I Um, mean, the whole 20 minutes of this, this, this creep tailing her, but like not wanting to be noticed. And like, she's, she's, you know, involved in like sex work and that kind of thing. She has to be some kind of street smart and know like, this is super sketchy and he's taking you to a very remote place. Like, yeah. and you think he's a reporter, he's doing what a reporter would do. He's not going to a coffee shop or something. Like he's taking you under a bridge. And- I don't know. I, it didn't really bother me because I assumed she was like, okay, I don't know how this works. And I also don't feel like John Travolta really told her like everything that it was, she was supposed to know. So that didn't really, bother me the end let's talk about the very ending though let's talk about the very ending of him putting the the scream in the movie mm-hmm. yeah it's fucked up really it's fucked so up. fucked up yeah and i get like it's trying to be like like deep that like his pain was put into his art but it's not his pain he he effectively got like this this very vulnerable person murdered and then used her screams for his profit and it did it felt really really wrong like in my gut (laughs) yeah i don't i don't quite know why that's used and it's very confusing and and he's like he's like all sweaty smoking a cigarette and he's like it's a good scream it's a good scream yeah and i'm just like stop yeah and it's like it's very obvious too that he's like upset and he doesn't like that the scream is being used. That's how I saw it. So I don't know yeah. exactly why 
it's being used in the movie. I'm guess I don't know <laughs> what exactly it is. The only excuse that I can come up with is the whole movie they're going like we need to scream, we need to scream, we need to scream. So the only excuse that makes sense is oh shit, the deadline's tomorrow. Fuck. It's like is this a is a scream. human life. <laughs> well, obviously I'm I'm just I'm just I know I, I know I know I'm I'm goofing I'm goofing yeah, around yeah. too like because like I understand that obviously, but it, it, it is really messed up because I'm like that's fucking that's wrong. It's very very wrong. So I don't know, man. Which is so too bad because like every other part of this movie is flawless. Yeah, flawless. Let's talk about the rest of the movie and and then we'll circle back to the ending because the ending I, definitely is like oh, yeah. Man. I mean, from the get-go, right? We're getting classic De Palma split screens throughout the movie. Even if it's not literal split screen, then he's splitting by color. He's going red here, blue here, or he's going, you know, split focus where it's like person in focus in the foreground on the left, also in focus at the back on the right. Mm -hmm. Like these using visual effects to tell a really great story. It's very, Um, very good. And and it's, it's so quick and just the beats keep going and each beat characterizes the character further. Like the moment where um, we get a bit more about John Travolta's backstory. Why? why like, Cause yeah, I was wondering for the first maybe 15 minutes, like why does he care so much about this? Like he, why does he give a fuck? And then it, it, as soon as I started to wonder it, the movie answered the question of like, well, he actually is such a good sound guy because he got his experience by tailing bad guys for yeah. police and because of his sound equipment malfunctioned, one of the guys got found out and murdered and yeah. he kind of blames himself. And so seeing a, another crime perpetrated and while he had his, to- his sound tools with him kind of motivates him to be like, I'm going to write these wrongs now. Exactly. And it's, it's like, it, 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 was, it was told so efficiently and with mm-hmm. such beautiful visuals uh, right as soon as my brain started to wonder that question. And I felt like that kept happening in this movie. As, as soon as I started to wonder something, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. De Palma's yeah. like, I'm right there. I'm right there. <laughs> I I agree because De Palma, he really, he does a really good job of answering all your questions and doing it well and doing it in a way that makes total sense because, yeah, no, he, I was wondering that too. I was like, why does John Travolta care so much? Like whatever, like everybody survived. Everybody's good. Why don't we, yeah. can't we just move on? I felt, I found very frustrating too with like some of the police and whatnot who were giving him a hard time, like at the beginning too, because like the guy's like, what did you see? And then like later on the people from the party come in and he's like, one of the police officers is like, yeah, he's being a real horse's ass right here. And he's not answering the questions. It's like, yes, he is he's answering all of them very well. You're being the problem. Um, Naturally. But yeah, the police, my God, corruption. <laughs> That's what I like about some, a lot of these seventies, uh, early eighties uh, movies in New York. It's like, they're always like cops or bastards. Yeah. It's like, Oh my god! And same. I mean, I must be De Palma has some bad relationship with the police because the same thing happened in Sisters as well, where they're like, yeah. "Hey, you write bad, you talk bad about the police, we're gonna not help you as much." It's like oh, that's so true. Sakes. What happened with De Palma, man? What What did he do? What did he get arrested for? He's on it, man. He's cool. He's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, he he does a really good job of answering all of the questions that you could possibly have which is something that i i really really like and yeah i think it's a cool kind of thing that crosses over with the conversation a little bit of this is somebody who's 
very guilty about something that's happened in their past and mm. wants to try and redeem themselves with something. And it's it's very unsatisfying that it makes it happen where it's um it ends up that they end up actually hurting somebody else again. Or, yeah, a, know, a woman yeah. had to be sacrificed for John Travolta's job. Yeah. Which is like, yikes. But yeah. everything else is perfect. Yeah. And that's something I like. I like how unsatisfying this is. I think the issue I had with it is that like it felt like the movie could not wait to end. Like I feel like uh, in my memory, she dies. And then immediately afterwards, they're in the theater like, oh, it's a good scream. End of movie where I was like, the fuck? This, I felt like it actually took a second to... um where he definitely mourned the death, but I'm, yeah, I'm you, and you bring up a really good point. I don't really understand why he put the scream in the movie and I don't know what it means. And I don't know, like the way that I saw it was kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, this is just going to be a scream in a movie that no one's really going to think about. Um, because nobody's going to know about this at all. That's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, that's sad. Which, you know, but it, it, I guess in the literal storytelling sense, it doesn't really make sense because it's like, well, he put a woman's scream in a movie when she died. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's that's weird. Um, yeah. But in, like, it, the it, metaphorical sense or this, in the spiritual sense of this is... Oh, my God. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> but in the spiritual Your spirits coming out <laughs> but in the spiritual sense this is um it made sense to me because it's like at the end of the day this doesn't mean anything to anybody other than oh it was a scream in a movie like who gives a shit but yeah no one thinks about it yeah yeah i can see maybe what they were going for of like he wanted to immortalize her right mm-hmm. her her scream will live on in that movie yeah that's what i'm kind it of just sucks too. that it's like this very very traumatic thing yeah um, and it seems kind of an underwritten way to deal with it mm-hmm. um which yeah. is so again it just made me very disappointed because it was such a tight movie like you could not poke a single hole in it until that landing yeah, uh, which just it hurts me more almost that it's yeah. so perfect. Exactly. Until, like if it was kind of crappy the whole way through, or not even crappy, just like less good all the way through, and the yeah. ending was like this, I'd be like, yeah, it's it's solid. I think that's it, it. Disappoints me so much more though. Yeah, I think that's what bothered me about the first time I saw it because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh man. That was a really shitty ending to a really fantastic movie. And for years, I've been like, yeah, blowout. It was, yeah, it was all right. But like, when I was watching it, I'm like, no, this movie is really, really, really freaking amazing. And the ending just might doesn't really work for some people. But the thing is, I don't know, for some reason, rewatching it, knowing what the ending was, I was like, for some reason, it worked for me. I can't mm. defend it. I can't defend it, and I don't have a, a specific reason for why I appreciate it. Because, um, like, uh, the more and more I think about it, I know I tried to defend it a minute ago, but, like, you bring up really good points with the ending. Like, the ending is, what's going on with Sally, and what's going on with this? Like, I can't I can't defend that. I have no words to be like, oh, but, like, it's d-. I don't, I don't know. No, I tried mentally, too. Like, yeah. I also tried. I was like, well, maybe this is what they meant. But then I'm like, it just ultimately, to me... No matter how I look at it, I'm like, it's like yeah. a really, really great movie that just got a little bit 
a little bit bogged down in its own misogyny a little bit there at the end. Yeah. And I was kind of, it, it, it is disappointing, but still so worth a watch and so worth many watches. Cause yeah, like everything else is masterful about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a very, yeah, it's a very strange ending to a movie and to a great movie too. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're definitely right. It's very, very masterful. Um, when I started seeing the split screens, I'm like, I need to do that in the movie. I need to split screen mm-hmm. in the movie. I don't even care if it makes sense. I just need a split screen. Yeah, um, yeah. I, one of my favorites is um, in, in the during the opener. At one point, it's like the split screen between what the TV is showing and what he what he's doing, which is basically making yeah making movies, making TV exactly. And I think that's cool because it's like you know the the bullshit that the news is saying he knows how it's made exactly and that's what, that's that kind of adds to his character of like why he doesn't have that much faith and and why he might be prone to conspiracies like it's 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 just effective man like exactly. you would think a split screen could be distracting or something but no this, this is one of the best i think that depalm has done oh, yeah. where he's just it's effective at showing the story yeah I I really enjoy this movie. I it makes me love De Palma like a lot more every time I watch one of his movies and like it. But definitely, it's got some uh, some problems with that with that ending. That ending is a big uh, a big yikes. <laughs> There's big no yikes other way me, to dog. put it. There's just really no other way to put it. Yeah. But yes, I definitely I would. Would you say Blow Up is your favorite out of all four of these? I would say blow out and and I'm getting so confused with all the blows. I almost said blow in. B- blow out and blow up are tied, narrowly tied. If it wasn't for the ending, blow out would be above blow up. True, true. Did any of that even make sense? I feel like I just said blow 150 times. No, no, no. That made total sense. It, they're tied, but if if it wasn't for the ending of blow out, it would be it would be number one. Yeah. So I get what you mean. I I'm gonna put blow out at number one. I'm gonna put blow up at number three. And number two, I'm gonna put blow down. And then at number four, I'm gonna put blow in. Um, blow down is the conversation, obviously. <laughs> yeah, blow in. <laughs> oh man alrighty um, I, before we get to the very end of the episode here where we're going to count down our top 5 indirect adaptations which I'm very excited about I have one favor to ask of you yes John Lithgow is in Blowout oh he's actually here right now hey hey John hi my mouth is a circle <laughs> oh and there he goes out the door just like that He's gone. You know what I love about your impression of him is that the only line that you say is my mouth is a circle and <laughs> you don't say like any other lines. I'll be like, hey, John, how are you today? <laughs> now, now I'm in my head about it. <laughs> my mouth is a circle. Oh, wow. Well, like, do you have any plans later on today? <laughs> my mouth is a circle. <laughs> John, are, are you Okay. And I just picture him, like, flying out a window. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh God. He was really good in this movie, though. Actually. Oh, he's very good, and he's he's very creepy when he wants to be. Man, he's a fantastic actor. I'd also recommend Raising Cain. That's another Brian De Palma movie. Uh, not the best, but uh, John Lithgow makes it. I think I'm gonna slowly go through all of all of De Palmas because yeah, we watched Sisters for the last episode, and I was blown away. This topped that, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, Easily. But yeah, and I'm really starting to love that split screen, man. I'm I'm I was I'm not even joking when I say I want to get some of my favorite split screens of his printed on like a big print oh, yeah. and put them on my wall because oh, yeah. they're just so beautiful. They're amazing, fantastic, and I just I absolutely love them. Um, so yeah. unique, so unique. He's one of the best. Um, I just wish he kind of continued to make great movies because lately i feel like his last movies have not been super uh super good Um, yeah it happens you know you get old you get (laughs) motherfuckers old motherfuckers old it happens happened to francis ford coppola too what what's going on with all these guys directing the blow movies who are uh (laughs) the blowing movies that that (laughs) end up not doing great movies after a while well you know you, you uh yeah. You get tired out. You I get, think, I think you get that. blown down. <laughs> you get blown down. You get blown down. Oh, man. That'd be a good documentary title for, like, all of these movies, you know? <laughs> blow up, blow out, blow down, and blow in. Okay, I didn't say that in the right order, but that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Blow blow all around. Blow all around. Alrighty. Let's jump into the the list that we've got here. It's um hell yeah, we're kicking it over to the list master Matt oh, over here. You. Yeah, you make Can't it sound like Grandmaster Flash, like yeah, list master Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, our criteria for this was we wanted to take adaptations, whether it's like a, of a book or of another movie that is not really a remake, but kind of a remake, or like a remake, but in a different way if that makes any sense so um some examples in the honorable mention are we've got clueless which is an adaptation of emma we've got uh cruel intentions which is a modern day adaptation of dangerous liaisons we also got O, which is in modern day adaptation of othello i really like that movie it's very good josh hartnett is quite good in that movie you also got stuff like i am legend and the omega man both adaptations of the last man on earth bringing it back to shakespeare we've got ran and the bad sleep well adaptations of shakespeare's king lear and hamlet both by akira kurosawa am i saying Mm -hmm. that right yeah i feel like i'm saying kurosawa a little too (laughs) a little too white a little too yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some more shakespeare we got um gus van sans my own private idaho adaptation of henry the fourth part one and two and henry the fifth i have not seen this movie but i've heard it's really fantastic so i gotta i gotta check it out a young yeah. river we've also got one of my favorite movies of all time blade runner based off of the book do androids dream of electric sheep there's also a ton of short stories uh blow up is actually based on a short story so We'll have to maybe do another episode on this and just talk about the short story. It's uh, true. Flex our English major muscles. Yeah. The Greg and Matt English chat. <laughs> it's in English. <laughs> except except when we have to pronounce an Italian movie. Exactly. La Ventura. La Ventura. 
Yeah. And last but certainly not least, we got Apocalypse Now, which is an adaptation of Heart of Darkness. Now, on to the actual list. Uh, how many of these have you seen? You've seen at least three of them, right? Um, Four, yeah. The only one I haven't seen is number four there. Oh, okay. Sweet. Okay, so in number five, we've got the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Colin Firth actually played Mr. Darcy in an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, so he's actually played Mr. Darcy a couple times. And number five is the classic film, Bridget Jones' Diary. One of my mom's favorites. It was on a lot in my house as a kid. <laughs> I genuinely love this movie. I, I have it on Blu-ray. I think Renee Zellweger is just the best. I love Hugh Grant. I love... Uh, <laughs> Greg just made a face like Renee Zellweger, and I love it. Um, and then you've also got Colin Firth in there, too. It's just a hilarious movie. Really sweet. And a lot of people don't like Edge of Reason, the sequel, but I thought it was all right. So, yeah. Yeah. Number four, we've actually got a musical here. It's an adaptation of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's a musical I actually did in high school. I was in this one. I played Baby John, and it is West Side Story. Nice. One of the one of the best musicals of all time. This one won Best Picture. It's just a really, really great musical, and you got to check this one out, man. I do. I it's been a slow. I've I've kicked and screamed on my way there, but I've slowly gotten into musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Emma. I just imagine you was like an eleven-year-old boy who's like, no. Yeah. No! Yeah. Looking back, that's kind of how my reaction was to musicals for some dumb reason. But oh, yeah, I, I need to watch more. Oh yeah, absolutely. I recommend um my favorite musicals of all time, West Side Story, Singing in the Rain, and uh Sweeney Todd, the Dedeman Barber of Fleet Street. Um, I love I love that you just did a list within a list. That is next level <laughs> Matt stuff. <laughs> At number four, let's break down another list and then let's break down another list after that. Um, yeah, no, Demon Barber, Fleet Street, Sweeney Todd. Oh my God, amazing! You you will love it. I highly recommend the Tim Burton movie. It is okay. It is probably the best movie he's made in the two thousands. Because, uh, well, I mean, what's the competition? But like, also, yeah, yeah. no, I, <laughs> I kind of like I furrowed my eyebrow and then I was like, no, yeah, not a not much competition. Frankenweenie, yeah, not a high bar. Not a high bar. No, number three. Let's bring it back to the Coen brothers, all right? Let's talk about the Odyssey. But more importantly, let's talk about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And another musical, might I add. That's right. That's so true. Oh, my God. I heard a rumor that um, I think it was from George. Well, it's not really a rumor when you hear it from George Clooney. Because <laughs> um, he said in one of those things where he's talking about iconic characters, he was saying Tim Blake Nelson actually made the most money out of everybody because he actually sang on the album. I heard that too. Actually, I uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Musical Splaining, did an episode on this movie recently, and they were like, "Yeah, that's his voice. Like, we love now. I like more love for Tim Tim Blake Nelson. Underrated. Oh wow. Wait, is he singing the George Clooney part, or is he just singing like background stuff? He he sang all his own music, from what I understand. Oh, I see. Okay, that's cool though. I I love that. Also. He sang in Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I believe, too, so I'm not mm -hmm. too surprised. But, yeah, no, he's a fantastic actor. And also, a minute ago in the honorable mentions, I mentioned O, the adaptation of Othello. Mm -hmm. That's directed by Tim Blake Nelson. 
by the way. Oh, yeah. he's a theatrical dude. He's a very, very talented motherfucker, and uh, we should do an episode on him. Hell yeah! Today, right now, right now. All Stay right. Tuned. You're listening to the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, will, yeah. What if I just did that? No, now it's a podcast within a podcast within a list. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. That, honestly, I could do this. I could do this all day, man. Number I two, we've got one of the probably the greatest animated movie of all time, if not one of them. Um, we've got the adaptation of Hamlet. The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Very loose adaptation of Hamlet. Absolutely. But that benefits it for what it is. Oh, yeah. It's... I'm kind of glad they didn't go too, too hard with the with the Hamlet stuff. Like, you got to you gotta go loose. You know? He's up. Going loose. <laughs> the name of uh, my new podcast, Going Loose with Matt Hall. Um, we talk about how to dance. We talk about West Side Story. And uh, we talk about Tim Blake Nelson. And it's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Can I guest? Sorry. Oh, Can yeah. Can I guest on it? You're you're the co-host. Oh, okay, cool. Getting loose. <laughs> Going loose. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting loose. Going limp. That's the real name, actually. <laughs> For some reason, because like our podcast title rhymes, I thought you were gonna be like Getting loose with Matt and a goose. You just have like a goose who every once in a while is like, Mwah. Well, you're the goose. You're the silly goose. I'm the, go- I'm the goose. <laughs> Going loose with Matt and Greg the silly goose. Oh, there we go. And Greg the goose. There you go. Yeah. The Lion King. Fantastic. I didn't see the remake. I don't want to. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. 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 And... <laughs> <laughs> enough of that one. disney <laughs> enough of that stop doing these these rem- if you're gonna remake a movie at least let us actually see the facial expressions mm-hmm, that's pretty key pretty key yeah especially to an animated movie yeah yeah you can do anything with animation you know that right it doesn't have to be realistic <laughs> you don't have to be totally realistic you know like you don't have to do that you know you know it's t- lions actually don't show that much emotion in real life to be completely honest with you all right they're just a ball of hair and teeth like yeah. nobody yeah nobody it's like watching a movie with a bunch of david duchovny's walking around like hey, how's everything go <laughs> i love him i love david duchovny all right oh my god shots fired he's just very monotone but like it works it works most of the time you know but also maybe don't get him to do like musical theater Mm. has he done musical theater we'll have to do an episode on him as well all right throw it on the list throw it on the list and last but certainly not least we've got a movie i just bought this one yesterday it's a really great movie i love it it's based on uh, Akira Kurosawa's film Yo Jimbo, Yo Jimbo, and it is called A Fistful of Dollars, which is just one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Maybe my favorite in the whole trilogy. And yeah, I love this one. Yeah, it's it's an all time classic. Oh yeah, one of my most watched movies. Um, you feel just, lucky, this is beautiful. That's that's Dirty Harry, isn't it? It is, so it's not even the right movie, but uh, it, it's the right actor. <laughs> you nailed that Clint Eastwood like face. That's really good. I wish I wish people could see this. That's a really good uh, face impression. Thank you. 
Go ahead. <laughs> Make my day. You ever see Gran Torino? I haven't, no. I've seen, like, gifts from it. Get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty, well, this has been a great episode, and thank you for uh, digging into all these Blow movies with me. Yeah, Blow all around. To us, to all the listeners, Blow to you. Blow to Just you, you blow specifically. To us, blow, to, blow up and blow down. Blow in and blow out. Hell yeah. If you want more Blow from us... You can listen to us. Okay, don't get us arrested. This, this is going to, yeah, never mind. Make us sound like we're drug dealers. Uh, this is my cell phone number. Shoot me a text. <laughs> um, do you want to listen to more Greg and Matt movie chat? You can find every episode over on halconmedia.com as well as on podcast services all around the world. Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, we're there subscribe give us a rating it helps us out a lot thank you for listening if you want to interact with matt directly you can follow us on instagram at the greg and matt movie chat wait wait, is it the greg and matt movie chat or just greg and matt uh i think it's the greg and matt movie chat okay at the greg and matt movie chat correction (laughs) um follow us there for regular updates and just cool chats with matt he'll recommend you a movie shoot him a dm he knows his movies really well he'll give you a list too honestly like the prime list maker i'll send you lists without even you asking me i'll just send them to you randomly he sends every follower a massive list (laughs) 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 no don't 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 just groceries yeah Yeah. not for you to buy just so that you know what i'm getting you know (sighs) but yeah uh check out matt on youtube as well matt hall collection great sketches every week something new a short film whatever it is you're gonna love it you gotta watch it find me on youtube CinemaCon, for video essays and occasionally other things i'm kind of in a funk right now but we're gonna get through it especially if you subscribe give up the funk give up the funk <laughs> uh and follow me on twitter as well at CinemaCon. until next time whenever that is we're gonna talk about movies eventually again soon <laughs> sooner than later Stay groovy and watch a movie.